Okay. So I got all hooked up here with this contraption, and then I thought I probably should have powdered my head, but uh, that's okay. You'll just have to be blinded by the light. So I bring you, uh, let me get my uh, stopwatch on. Ben told me that this uh, platform opens up and swallows you after 30 minutes. So I got to time myself here or I'll get... Uh, never swallowed him. Huh, never swallowed him. He said it opens up and there's fire down below and everything. So anyway, so I bring you greetings from my part of the body of Christ or my... Connie is here with me and, and uh, my much better half, my better nine-tenths, and uh, uh, the mother of uh, my six children, and we got grandbaby number 10 coming and uh, soon, and uh, Nate and Brittany moved here. Uh, my son Nate lives here now. and So we got more reasons to come to Kernersville than just to speak here. Uh, the last time that I was here... Uh, you know, it just seems like it wasn't, it was just yesterday, but it was actually in September of 2018. <laughs> so I guess I wasn't worthy to be invited back. I don't know. <laughs> I must have really bombed that Sunday. I don't remember, but it was, no. And in all seriousness, a lot's gone on since then. And uh, we haven't been here to fellowship with you in person. We uh, we were, we did visit with you online when thing, when COVID first hit, and um, so lots happened since then. Our lives have changed in many ways, and since we first, as the general public, started hearing about COVID-19, I believe it was in February of 2020 when we began to hear things, and then it, it hit you know, full-on March of 2020. It seems like from that time till now, the changes that have rocked our world and our nation on every front just seem to keep on coming, wave after wave after wave. Who would have guessed back then that this pandemic would t have taken such a toll on the whole world? And that it's still a major thing going into year three. When you pair that with the political, religious, and cultural upheavals we're seeing, along with the breathtaking natural disasters in our nation and our world, and now the debacle in Ukraine, I have two questions that I want us to ponder together today. And I think it's probably one that we've all been pondering, even judging from the just the words that came forth today. It's probably something that we're all thinking about. So as I share today, may the Holy Spirit use this just to reinforce what he's already speaking to you about and how he's already ministering to you. But the two questions I have in relation to everything we're seeing, wave after wave after wave. Do, do any of you feel like things have just kind of sped up and you can't even hardly keep up with things? And you think about, wow, that just happened last week or the week before. It's stunning. So here's the two questions that we're going to be pondering this morning. What are we, as the people of God, to think about? 
what's happening in our nation and what's happening to our world. And more importantly, because how you think is how you're going to live, more importantly, how are we to live in light of all this? So first we'll talk about how, what, what are we to think. You know, we are at a unique time, I believe, in world history. We, every one of us, God knew, God foreordained when we would be born, when we'd be on planet Earth, and we are at one of those unique times in the history of the world where an intense time of transition is taking place. God's sovereign hand, we know this, but I'm just going to say it, God's sovereign hand over the affairs of men and nations is at work, always has been at work since the foundations of the earth. But we must remind ourselves when wave after wave comes that God is not up in heaven going, oops, I didn't see that coming. He's sovereign over the affairs of men and nations. We just need to remind ourselves when we don't know which end is up, we know who knows. And he knows the end from the beginning. So even though that's kind of like Christianity 101, I don't know about you, but I have to remind myself over and over and over again of those fundamental truths to keep us grounded in times of adversity. And for us as God's people, I believe he's bringing some strong discipline to our lives to get us in alignment with his purposes for what is yet to come. I mean, I'm in a room with a, a lot of different kind of people, but uh, those of us who are <laughs> have been around a while, we've seen a lot over the years, and I believe... Uh, I could get a witness from all those over 60 that uh, as much as we've seen these last few years, we've not seen anything like this on a worldwide scale. Uh, it's a unique, unique time. And it's a time that we've seen what we know, the lessons we've learned from the past, but there's some ways that God wants to prepare us for what is yet to come. You see, in spite of the heinous loss of lives, in spite of the pain and suffering that we humans are inflicting on each other and have done since the creation, I believe that our Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, who knit each one of us together in our mother's wombs, has a good and redemptive plan and all the shaking we're seeing. In spite of rising demonic activity being manifest in the affairs of humans in our nation and throughout the world, I believe that the Lion of the tribe of Judah, who is our Savior, Jesus, He is not sleeping. Amen? <laughs> Many in His church may be sleeping, but He's not. And he's moving by his spirit to wake us 
up. You, me, everyone who proclaims Jesus Christ as Lord, he's waking us up to join him in his sovereign plan and purpose for not just this nation, but the nations. Though I don't have time to document all this, I believe that as we approach the last of the last days, you know, from the time that Jesus ascended and poured out His Spirit, we've been in the last days, but now we're in the last of the last days, and no one knows exactly when Jesus is going to return, but we know we're closer than they were 2,000 years ago where they're looking for His coming. And I believe as we approach the last of the last days and the end of planet Earth as we know it, I believe the Holy Scriptures tells us two things, not one and then something contradictory, but He tells us one and the other there is going to be a great falling away from the faith. So we as God's people must make our calling and election sure. We're going to talk about some of the attitudes we're to embrace for that to happen. But we also know there's going to be a great ingathering. There's going to be a great falling away, but there's going to be a great ingathering. And the shaking that's taken place in the nations, people are going to wake up to their need for the Lord God Almighty. Amen. Who can make a way where there is no way. Who can meet people right at their point of greatest suffering and make himself real to them. If he can walk into a fiery furnace and make himself real to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he can walk into the fiery furnaces of war and hell itself. My dad served in World War II and he looked at me one time and he said, son, it's been said that war is hell and I'm here to tell you war is hell. I've been there. So I just, but I want to tell us something this morning. I want to say that in the midst of all the chaos we're seeing, I believe with all my heart, God is going to unleash revival and spiritual awakening in the world like we have never seen in our lifetime. I mean, we can focus on all the... We can say, we've never seen anything this devastating in our lifetime. I believe that we're going to see revival and spiritual awakening like we've never seen it before in our lifetime. And you know what? It might not actually even be broadcast over social media. <laughs> Hello! It might not even happen here. In America. I mean, sometimes I ask myself and I ask the Lord, God, is there still hope for this nation? Is there still hope for the high country? Is there still hope for North Carolina? Is there still hope for Kernersville? Is there still hope for California? And you say, well, how can you ask that question? Is there still hope? Is it too late? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I know we've, from the time I was, became uh, a Christian in 1973, <laughs> there's been a real slide in the morals and in the thinking and that we're in a culture now that calls 
things that are wrong, right, and things that are right, wrong, and you can go to prison for certain beliefs that we used to just believe everybody knew was foundational. But I do know this, that if God could do it for Nineveh, which was so despicable that Jonah did not even want to go there, the reason he didn't want to go there, these people were despicable. God said, I love those people. For God so loved the world. I mean, some of the people that you got attitudes about, God loves them with such a strong love that he doesn't want us to give up on anybody. (laughs) He's calling us to reach the whosoever wills. And so if God could do it for Nineveh, which was so despicable that Jonah didn't want to go there, he can do it for us. So it's my prayer. And I'm praying for. I'm, not, I'm praying for us in my sphere, in this high country, to see revival and spiritual awakening. I'm praying for you to experience here in the Piedmont. I'm praying that it will happen in pockets all over this nation and that it will spread in such a way that nobody can take credit for it. That that there won't be this thing of, hey, revival came through us and our church. There's There's a stench to that. I'm praying that God will move in such a powerful way that nobody cares who takes the credit for it. They're just going, God is here and awakening us and bringing us together in ways that we could have never done because we tend to be petty. <laughs> and we tend to forget that Jesus prayed, God, would you make, would you make these people that are going to come, would you make them one like you and I are one so that the world will know that I am real? The purpose of the church is not to bring people to church The purpose of the church is to bring people to Christ. The purpose of the church is to be the body of Christ, to be his hands and his feet, to represent him in the world. Amen. So that people will say, I want to go be with Jesus. So, I'm praying for it. <laughs> I hope you're praying for it. I believe you're praying for it. I believe we're hungering for it. I believe we're longing for it. And just let me just say this, because I'm speaking to a body of believers, but I'm also speaking to individuals. If that resonates in your heart, if you're sincere about wanting to see revival and spiritual awakening, come and in, in this region and spread from this region of Milan then draw a circle around yourself and pray for it to come right here. In light of all this, I'd like for us to consider two prophetic passages of Scripture that should help us in regard to thinking right and aligning our faults and thus our actions with God. The first is, found in Isaiah 55, 8-9. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. I don't know if anything's up here or not. but 
Here's what it says. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture. But it ties into what I was saying before about God is sovereign over the affairs of men and nations. And this is Old Testament red letters here. You know, in the New Testament, we have Jesus' words in red. This is God speaking to the prophet Isaiah. And this is what God says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now before we circle back to some commentary on that passage, I want, you, I want us to consider this other prophetic passage from Psalm 2. And this is also the New King James Version. And in my Bible, it's headlined, The Messiah's Triumph and Kingdom. The kingdoms of this world may be shaken, but the kingdom of God is not being shaken. The kingdom of God is like that mustard seed. It's growing in spite of persecution, in spite of the shake. It's, it's growing in the midst of. And here's what the prophet says. Why do the nations rage? We've seen a lot of rage in our world. Not just in Ukraine. We've seen it in our world. We've seen it on our soil. Rage. Why do the nations rage? And the people plot a vain thing. You know what a vain thing is? It's plotting your lives to where you think it's all about you and your kingdom and your will being done. That's vain. You want to live a self-centered, I'm the king of my life, life? Well, let's just see how that is eventually going to work out for you. Why do the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth, they set themselves, the rulers take counsel against the, uh, together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. Ain't nobody going to tell me how to live my life. I'm going to make my own determinations. And I'm going to, I'm going to not only am I going to, I'm going to develop my own views, I'm going to go to whatever means I have, even if it's taking people's lives to force my views on others. That's the spirit of Antichrist, folks. <laughs> and it's alive and well in America just as much as it is in Russia. People with a mindset, I want to see my kingdom come and my will done and the way I think and what my politics are and how I view things. And here's what God's response is to that according to the prophetic voice of Psalm 2. He, he who sits in, in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Now this is red letters again. Old Testament red letters, red letters. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. You are my son. I got this in big, bold, black letters up here on this page. Because this is important. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. He is the, the Lord Jesus Christ is the only begotten son of God. Ask of me, Jesus, and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. 
You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, be wise, O kings. People in places of authority, people in places of influence, those of you who are the kings and the masters of your own destiny, be wise, listen up, be instructed, you judges of the earth. Catch this part. Serve the Lord with fear. And rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. And you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all you who put your trust in him. There needs to be, if we're going to see revival and spiritual awakening in this land like we want to see it, there's got to be a return to a holy reverence and awe and fear of God. I believe it's one of those missing ingredients that the Lord in His shaking, He says, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to keep shaking until you get it. So thinking like God thinks means we must learn to view everything through the lens of His only begotten Son of whom Psalm 2 speaks. You see, we, we, we get into this era of, of, of just preaching about gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. And he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Yes, he's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But he's also the lion of the tribe of Judah. And yes, he came to give his life as a sacrifice. And yes, he came to lay it down. But he's coming back. He will. His kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. And I don't know about you, but I want to be on the right side of things when the righteous one comes. Amen. We read the Apostles' Creed this morning. And I just want to focus on the part, because what I want us to do for just a little bit of time to get our thinking straight, and I want to remind you to just do this. If you ever, you know, I, I need to get my thinking straight, then the thing that we can do, and I think it was mentioned this morning when you're talking about faith in Christ, we need to get our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and we need to meditate on who He is and what He says. And so we're going to meditate just a little bit. These words from the Apostle Creed about Jesus, we, we know Jesus as God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Well, how does that happen? I don't have to know. I just believe it. He was born of a virgin. He's the only one who've ever walked the face of this planet Earth. The only human who did not sin. The scripture says he was tempted in every way, just like we are. So we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows what it's like to be tempted by every sin. And he knows what it's like to take the whole sin of the world upon himself. But he did not give in. Because he was... 100% God and 100% man. Born of the Virgin Mary, he suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was a real historical figure. I remember when I was an English major at Mars Hill College, I remember having an English professor says, oh, it doesn't matter if Jesus really existed. He's just a good idea, don't you think? He's more than a good idea. 
He's alive and well. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he's coming back. And we're not going to see a good idea coming back. We're going to see the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I saw heaven open, it says in Revelation. And behold, a white horse, and he who sits upon it is called faithful and true. And with righteousness he does come to judge and make war. We don't, we don't teach that a lot in the church in America. We don't talk about a lot about those things. We talk about God just loves you and he's got a wonderful plan for your life. He wants to bless you and he wants the best. All those things are true. I'm not making fun of those things at all. It's true. He does have a wonderful plan for your life. But he's the king and he's the Lord and we're not. How many of you know sometimes God works in your life just to remind us you are not in charge here? Hello? I mean, really? Y'all, every one of you know what I'm talking about. It's what I call an attitude adjustment. I've had pictures of the Lord sometimes. I get them in my mind just to envision him, just standing in the middle of the road going, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, no, not coming down this road. Turn back now. And I know this isn't really a good way to look at God sometimes, but sometimes I picture him with me going, McFly, hello. I know that's not his nature. But sometimes I go, I know these things. Well, let me tell you something. The things you know that you know that you've known, God is coming to you and making you know them on a deeper level because the times ahead demand it. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven. Now, I'm going to go a little aside. I'm going to insert this in the Apostles' Creed because I always wish they'd have put this one line in there. And he poured out his Holy Spirit on his disciples so they could continue the work that he started. You know, the greatest miracle of the church is that it was, it was perpetuated by people like you and me. Hello? I mean, why did God do that? If he's sovereign over the affairs of men and nations, couldn't he just stick his face out and just tell us all, light up! No, that's not the way he works. He works in mysterious ways. And he pours out his spirit upon all flesh so that we will work together as his body to spread his kingdom news. <laughs> he's a, we're a demonstration. We're trophies of grace. He's saying to the world, if I can work for, through these people, I can work through anything. I can, if, if I can transform this life, I can transform your life. It's not about us, it's about him. And he is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will judge the living and the dead. John the Baptist introduces Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You'll find that in John 1.29. The Apostle John referred to him in Revelation 13, 8. Don't miss this. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God, God wasn't up in heaven and go, Ooh, man, things are getting out of hand. I've got to send somebody to help these folks. He knew Jesus wasn't a plan B because humans screwed up. He was foreordained before the creation of the world because God wanted to bring a people to himself that could only be presented to him by the Lamb of God and the precious blood of the Lamb. 
In 1 Peter 1.20, the Apostle Peter described Jesus as chosen before the creation of the world. That's the NIV, the New King James, foreordained before the foundation of the world. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We can't figure it out. But he's got it figured out. So with that in mind, and Psalm 2 as well, let's read the full context. If you've got a Bible and you want to follow along, you can. Of 1 Peter 13 through 20, uh, the context of that passage, it's 1 Peter 1, 13 through 21. We're going to kind of transition a little bit in this passage from how we should think to how we should live because through the lens of Jesus, Peter lets us know some good stuff here. Therefore, with minds that are alert, how should we live? We should live alert and fully sober. In Ephesians it says, Do not be drunk on wine where is in excess, but be, fee, be fee, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Fully sober. Set your hope on the grace of to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed as a coming. Now, I've got this underlined, if you're taking notes and you write in your Bible, as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. That scripture was mentioned this morning. Uh, uh, that concept was mentioned this morning in our worship time. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, red letters, God says in the Old Testament and the New Testament, be holy because I'm holy. Be whole. Come out of your brokenness. Come out of your shame. Come out of your guilt. Come out of your regrets about the past. Be made whole. Be holy because I'm holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially. Now listen to this one. It's very, very much a theme of this ser sermon today. How do we think? How do we live? Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And here's the scripture that we quoted earlier. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. I'm being quiet right now because I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to land this plane. I think I've made the point I want to get across. But to put this back into context, how we as God's people should think and act in relation to the chaos that's rising in the world today, let me remind you that the Bible whose words we can hide in our hearts to keep us from sinning is also a history book. In it, we're reminded of many intense times in the history of God's chosen people 
where he brings discipline to them out of the chaos to get them back into proper alignment so they can get on with his business. Through our sovereign Lord and Creator, our Father and Savior looks with compassion on a suffering world. And his ultimate purpose is to purchase from every tribe and tongue and nation a people for his kingdom that will live in righteous submission to his holy and just and loving rule. And he wants those of us who know this to get on with his business. So in closing, I'm just going to bullet point some things here. We've considered how we as God's people are to think and live in light of the times. Let me summarize. We're to acknowledge that God's ways and thoughts are higher than ours and humbly seek to get our thoughts and wills in alignment with His. We are to walk in a holy reverence and awe of God. If you go, God, I don't know how to do that. I don't, I don't, wanna, I don't want anybody to come away from this sermon and put on some kind of false sense of humility and, you know... Listen, we can't even repent unless God helps us. So if we know we're not walking in the fear of the Lord, just ask God to teach you what that means. And walk in a holy reverence and submission to God. I, I remind myself daily, God, you, I am your servant. I'm a bond slave to you. You're not my servant. I'm your servant. And help me to live my life that way. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. By discerning about what, what's holy and what's profane and making sure we save ourselves from this corrupt generation. That was in a part of the stuff I was going to teach that I skipped over to get to the end. But when God shakes, when in the history of the nation of Israel, when you say, see him shaking, one of the things he's doing is getting his people to, to discern between the holy and the profane and get rid of the profane out of their lives. And I'm reminded of Acts when, the, when, they were, when, Paul, when Peter preached that sermon at the day of Pentecost and they were all came under a spirit of repentance. They said, what should we do? And he said, repent, be water baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. And then it says, and with any other, many other words, he warned them to flee from this corrupt generation. We're to be in the world. Jesus prayed in John 17 where he prayed that we would be one. He also prayed, these are ones that I have brought out of the world. They're, not, they're in the world, but they're not of the world. I know that God has convicted me of my own worldliness and my own compromise. So please understand, I'm not coming to you today from some high place. I'm coming from you from, from a place of brokenness and repentance and of God dealing with me. I'm just getting... How many of you know sometimes just God gets right up in your business? This is, this, is, this is birthed out of God getting up in my business. And he loves you enough to not mind his own business. Aren't you thankful for that? At this, this point, it would be good to highlight something I did not specifically mention. I'm just going to read the scripture. Hebrews 10, verse 24 through 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are there in habit of doing, but encouraging one another. As I sat out here among you this morning in worship, I was encouraged. Courage was put into me because I came together with God's people. 
and all the more as you see the day approaching. In the context of trusting relationships, you know what I can do? I can confess my sins. In the context of, uh, of trust relationships, I can get prayer for my sins. And you know, I've always been, when I've been in the context of the body of Christ and I've confessed my sins, I don't think I've ever experienced a time where people go, oh, I'm appalled. People go, you're just, we are all identifying. And yes, the prayer, the fervent prayer of righteous men and women avails much in the context of community. And then finally, we must do honest spiritual inventory of our lives to consider what we spend our money on, what we spend our time doing. And here's a nice fun question. Do I spend as much time in the word and prayer as I do on social media watching the news? That's just a nice fun question to ask yourself. And how can we be intentional about gearing our lives to spread God's love and light in our personal spheres of influence? I mean, I've talked to people, I've talked to a friend of mine, he goes, man, I'm ready to go up, I'm ready to go over and sign up for the Ukraine army. 67 years old. I don't think they want you, dude. Why don't you just do something right where you're at? So I'll just end with this. I gotta, I gotta do my last quote. It's from a man who's involved in feeding people who are starving because of all the conflict that's in the world today. I think two years ago, there was 20. Uh, seven million people who are on the edge of famine. Two years later, there's 41 million people worldwide, and a lot of it's geared to all the conflict, all the refugees, all the places, all the places where people don't have any place to go anymore. And here's what he says, and it ties in with everything I said. He says, it can be hard to read the news these days. The headlines are just heartbreaking. I've never sat in front of the 6.30 Eastern Standard Time news like I have lately, and Kai and I'll just weep because we're seeing what's happening to people in Ukraine. And I'm sure you can see it in other venues too. That's old people watch the 6.30 Eastern Standard Time news. But it's heartbreaking. But we serve a God who doesn't shy away from crisis. Even in the worst situations, he's always at work and is inviting us, you, me, his people, to be a part of the solution. Amen? And the stage did not swallow me up. <laughs> it had eight minutes worth of time to swallow me, but it didn't. Let's pray. Lord, help us. We've heard the word. And we know this. We know your word's true. Your word brings life. And Lord, sometimes your word's hard for us to receive, but there's no condemnation in you. And so the words that we need to, to bring life to us where we've been dead... To, bring, to waken us where we've been asleep, to sensitize us where we need sensitizing, to help us to be convicted about sin in our life. Lord, when you convict us, it can be like a heavy hand upon us, but it's a gentle heavy hand, and it's always to push us in the way that we should go. So God, give our, give our, give our, uh, help us have ears to hear what you're saying to each of us as individuals, what you're saying to this church, what you're saying to the church in this region, what you're saying to your people worldwide, and help us align ourselves 
with your sovereign plan and your purpose. Help us align ourselves with your higher ways. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And all the saints said, Amen.